I can hardly believe what I am about to recount, but I swear that every word is true. It all began after a violent thunderstorm had swept through Yosemite National Park, leaving the once serene landscape changed in ways that would forever haunt me. As a park ranger named Joseph, my duty was to protect and care for the park's natural beauty. After the storm, I noticed something peculiar in a specific area of the park. The pine trees emitted an eerie, otherworldly sound, like a chorus of mournful whispers. It sent shivers down my spine, but I assumed it was merely a consequence of the storm's fury. One night, I found myself patrolling that very area, drawn by a strange curiosity that I couldn't shake off. As I ventured deeper into the woods, the air grew thick with an unnatural silence, broken only by the haunting melody of the pine tree's unsettling symphony. My flashlight pierced through the darkness, revealing gnarled roots and damp leaves underfoot. And then, there was an unknown cryptid stumbling and waddling through the shadows. The sight of it made my stomach churn with fear and disgust. The creature's movements were awkward, dragging its leg ever so often as it shuffled forward. The glimpse I caught of its facial features made me cringe and shudder. Its face, if I could even call it that, appeared male, but it was disfigured and ghastly skinny. The jaw seemed to hang unnaturally, giving it a hauntingly macabre appearance. Its eye sockets were surrounded by massive bags that made the eyes themselves appear empty and lifeless. The creature's mouth was wide open, looking hollow and void of any humanity. It had no clothes, its deathly skinny form exposed to the elements. The most shocking aspect of the cryptid was its height. I couldn't believe my eyes it was freakishly tall, towering over anything I had ever seen. Its demeanor and appearance were incredibly dirty, possibly white, but obscured by a layer of filth. As I stood there, paralyzed with fear and disbelief, the creature turned its empty gaze toward me. Panic welled up inside me, but before I could react, it lunged at me with surprising speed and strength. Its bony fingers gripped my shoulders, and we tumbled to the forest floor. The impact knocked the breath out of me, and before I could regain my composure, darkness enveloped me. When I regained consciousness, I found myself alone, sprawled on the forest floor. The cryptid was gone, as if it had never been there. I rubbed my throbbing head, trying to make sense of what had just happened. Had I encountered a ghostly apparition, a creature of the dark depths of the forest, or had my mind played tricks on me? Fear mingled with confusion as I stumbled back to my feet, feeling the weight of the encounter pressing on my mind. My heart raced with a mix of disbelief and a primal urge to flee. But when I returned to the park ranger station and reported the incident, my colleagues looked at me skeptically. They assured me that the storm had probably left me disoriented and that what I had seen was likely a figment of my imagination. Yet deep down, I knew the truth. I had encountered something beyond rational explanation, something that existed in the shadows of the world, unseen and unheard by most. I'll preface this by saying I now live in Melbourne, Australia, but I lived in California for three years between 2015-2018, and I've got a story. My potential skinwalker encounter was in September 2016. I had finished summiting Mount Whitney, California, and had been doing months of training to do it. 
Early in the evening when I got back down from the mountain, I went into Lone Pine to get some food and get ready for the drive back to LA. But before that I went to the Alabama Hills scenic area just out of town to sit and eat some food and marvel at the 14,000 feet mountain I had just summited with my team. They were still in the town center. As the sun set, I turned to the side and behind a small hill was an old homeless looking man in ragged clothes and grimy hair. He stood there slightly slumped and motionless. Inside my mind I was shitting myself, because to me, something seemed extremely off and my gut feeling was telling me to get out of there. But I tried to stay composed and asked him if he wanted any food or needed anything. He stayed as still as a statue and didn't respond. I gave him a few more options to respond before telling him I'm not staying here any longer, and I started to move back to my car. I hurried up the process quickly and started the engine. Put my seatbelt on, when I looked back up the man wasn't there, and instead it was now a half-deformed looking coyote, which made an ear-piercing scream and stood on its hind legs. It would have been six feet I backed it in reverse and floored it out of there, and it kept up with me for at least two hundred metera. I'm pretty much convinced that it was a skinwalker. I know they're technically only in Utah or Arizona, but these things probably don't know what borders are and I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up in California and Nevada as well. I was at Page Mountain Snow Park with about nine or ten others campers. We were just camping out for the weekend and having a good time. We, while exploring the area on a previous trip, had come across a mine. It was marked with a mine claim paper and a jar hanging from a tall stick in the ground. We went to the Josephine County Clerk to find out what other mining claims are in the area with interest in filing a claim ourselves, if an abandoned claim was in the area. It turns out that there are four or five claims directly in front of the cabin. On the night we saw it, we had arrived at the cabin after dark and set up camp. We had a little map of the area this time, and after a few beers around the campfire we decided, me and three or four other guys, to grab some flashlights and take a look in the woods. The girls stayed back at the cabin, and we guys went down the road in two Suzuki Samurais. We left the Samurais running with headlights on facing toward us and the cabin. We couldn't see the cabin from there. The woods are very dense, and it was a ways off. We were laughing and making a lot of noise as we circled through the dense area. We got almost to the cabin when we decided to turn back and retrieve our rigs which we couldn't even hear at this point. I personally got a very strange feeling that something was watching us. I began to feel very uncomfortable, but didn't say anything. Soon we were able to hear the Samurai's engines running. They were both very loud with exhaust leaks to boot. We ended up making a very wide circle back to the rigs and ended up on a ridge looking down at the Samurai's. Probably 50 or 60 feet higher in elevation and maybe 250 feet away. We had to descend a steep slope to arrive at the rigs, and we decided to chill out and rest for a minute before we headed down. I lit a cigarette as did others and was looking down at the samurais when something huge and hairy walked between us and the headlights. We all saw it as it first passed in front of my rig blocking the headlights completely where it stood for just a second, long enough for everyone to see it. 
Then it passed by the other samurai in one large step blocking the headlights. All I could really see was that it was furry, brown or black. This I could see in the light of the headlights, but because it was between us and the light we couldn't make out a shape at all. The only thing we could tell was that it had no fear at all of those noisy samurais or the headlights, and that it was tall. From where we were standing it would have to be at least five feet tall to block the headlights from our view. If it were a bear, which is what we all agreed to that night, then why would it walk right past those samurais? Why would it walk in front of them instead of behind them? Way would it be walking upright? I don't know much about bears, but I don't think they are that tall while on all fours. Whatever it was, I'm convinced that it was watching the girls at our cabin when we unexpectedly crashed through the woods scaring it out. Our decision to suddenly crash through the woods could not have been expected by the creature. We caught it by surprise, but it wasn't running away. It walked away slowly, and it didn't know there weren't any people in those rigs. If there had been then, they would have gotten the fright of their life. Because as I mentioned before, it paused in front of the headlights for a second. We all spent a very scary night at the cabin. We didn't let this experience run us off. But we all felt like we were being watched as we slept. We all agreed that it was a bear and didn't discuss it again for a few years. Until the other night, one of my friends, who was with us that night, told me out of the blue that he thinks it was a Sasquatch. Well, since he said it first, I agreed. But none of us have discussed that night since. I was deer hunting on the east slope of a very steep hillside and saw movement about 70 yards down and away from me. I started to bring my rifle up, but realized it was too dark and tall to be a deer. I saw this thing walk through the trees, and even though it was very dry and crunchy in the woods, it made no sound. I saw it walk very briskly for about 40 yards, and then turn down the slope and out of sight. Also noticed, the following day in an area a few miles away we found unusually large dung piles full of berry remains and my hunting partner, and I thought they were from a very big and even then thought it would be difficult for a bear to pass such a large diameter stool. Almost a year ago, I was an opener at a resort, clocking in before 5 a.m. each day. The resort is located inside of an affluent neighborhood in a very wealthy town suburb. Employees had to park in one of two parking lots at either ends of the property, and the lot I chose was adjacent to a long and windy road outside the resort which lead to the rest of the neighborhood. The road and resort were separated by a short range of brush and trees that no one ever walked through. I'd arrived one morning per usual and put the car into park with my headlights still on. The lights in the lot weren't ever on in the morning since no one else really showed up before 6am when the sun was out, so it was usually always dark at the start of my walk. Save for security, I was one of the first employees to arrive on the property each morning and was usually completely alone in this particular parking lot at this time. This morning didn't seem any different. I had my hand literally at my keys, my brain in the process to turn off my car, when I noticed a young girl, maybe like 14 or 15 years old, come scampering her body language was the exact definition. Run with quick light steps, especially through fear or excitement. 
through the span of trees that separates the resort from the outside road. She was directly in front of my car, and my headlights illuminated a clear view of her in the pitch black. She looked like she was in high school, had long, blonde hair, and was wearing a jacket with pajamas, maybe, like she'd just walked out of a house. One thing about her that bothered me was that she wouldn't stop laughing and smiling. I couldn't hear her laughing from outside the car, but she was visually giggling at something I wasn't aware of or could see, and it was so unnatural. She occasionally glanced behind her as if someone else were there waiting away from the headlights. She then waved at me like it were a normal gesture at this time, and then immediately ran to my passenger side door. This all happened in a matter of seconds, and I wasn't really sure what was even happening besides my anxiety spiking. I know I simultaneously yanked the aux from my phone to shut whatever song had been playing off while grabbing for the lock button. I remember feeling panic for never remembering if it's up or down to lock when the girl began pulling violently and incessantly on the door handle on the passenger's side. I realized because I didn't turn my car off, it had stayed locked. She began pounding on the window, and I was screaming at the top of my lungs for her to leave before pressing on my horn. I could see her laughing outside like this were some type of game, as if I were a silly friend not letting her in as a joke. After a few seconds, she stopped the pounding and trying to open my car door. Her face fell flat like I disappointed her, and she started to walk away from my car back the way she came. She waved at me again before squeezing through the trees, out of the view of my headlights. This whole encounter confused me almost as much as it scared me. Most people I told the story to just chalked it up to her being on drugs, but that narrative hasn't felt right to me despite her behavior. Maybe she was just being an extremely out-of-touch teenager whose parents need a firmer grip on her. My first thought was possibly human trafficking, but I'm not sure if that would fit this scenario as I'm not the most well-versed with the subject. I told someone when I made it to LP, but they didn't seem to care much. I didn't call the police, and I regret that. I'll never get out of my brain, though how messed off the feeling was watching a stranger, seemingly alone, pop out from the trees in the darkness laughing, and then try to violently enter your car in an empty parking lot. I do think the possibility of someone else being present the whole time is a lot more scary, and I wonder who else was there and where exactly. Not a responder, but lived next door to one who is very famous in our hometown for his alien abduction. But there are other stories, too. This all went down in the 80s, rural England, and my memory of the exact details are fuzzy been a while since anyone has bothered discussing it. Small hometown and everyone knows and is over it. The alien abduction story is that he was on the way back from a call-out, saw some odd lights on the road ahead, and had to stop a one-track road. He went to investigate the lights as any good police officer does, and next thing he knows it's a half hour later, and he's back in his car seat, car facing the other way, some odd substance on him, no lights to be seen. The police dispatch also confirmed that his radio frequency just disappeared for that half hour. The substance was tested and didn't match any known profile. I really have no idea what that really means or what tests were. 
At around the same time, this officer and some others were called out by a farmer whose cows had disappeared. Yes, very stereotypical cows in a tractor beam story. But the farmer reported them missing, multiple police show up, gate is locked and no cows. They all decide to drive around looking for the cows. The paranormal magnet officer reports the thing where you keep trying to drive somewhere, but always end up back where you were when it shouldn't be possible on his route. But they all convene back at the field at the end of shift. The cows are back, though none of the officers found them and nobody called in to find them. And remember, paranormal officer has seemingly been driving past the field on a loop all night. The farmer was also unaware when they called to ask him. Totally sounds like the farmer pulled a prank, except it was raining that night and there was loads of wet mud building at the edge of the field where the gate is, and not footprints or hoof prints, and the cows were dry too. The last story I have the vaguest recollection of, I think it happened some years earlier and the paranormal officer was called to the discovery site. It is mostly about a different guy, a farmhand who was an immigrant who disappeared without a trace, and then appeared several days later and miles away, dead, with burns and another unidentifiable substance all over his body, dumped at the top of a pile of coal. Again, no sign of anyone climbing up the very precarious pile of coal, and no sightings of this farmhand getting from the farm to a different town one road, and he didn't seem to be on it at any point. He was in the same clothes, but appeared to have undressed then been redressed by someone else. Autopsy couldn't find a cause of death, it wasn't the burns, and he was like, barely dead no rigor mortis when discovered. Edit. Should probably add that the official answer to the farmhand death was spontaneous ball lightning, itself a weird theory, and it doesn't explain most of the situation. I am not saying aliens, but everyone at home is mildly convinced of the aliens. My somewhat scary moment was when I was camping at my very remote recreational 160-acre ranch, which I did almost every weekend and usually alone. I was actually in a small toy hauler that is left there. I was sleeping with the ramp down to enjoy the crisp air. My bunk is right there where the ramp was open. It was totally blackout, no moon. I could not see past my arm. I sleep very light and always have my 357 caliber at my side and a shotgun or a R-15 nearby. Something woke me and there was the foulest smell coming from the ramp area of the trailer mere feet away. I quickly got up with pistol in hand and seconds later by the time I was armed and shined a spotlight outside, whatever it was took off. Not sure what is was, but there are tons of blackies out there I have seen. Most likely a snooping bear, but that smell I will never forget. It must have been pretty darn close for me to get such a strong odor from whatever it was. I bought battery-operated motion detectors and motion lights and put them in strategic places to alert me with more advance notice should that happen again. Those motion detectors came in handy on more than one occasion when it involved people poachers walking in. I personally feel safer when it is pitch black, don't know why, but I never sleep with a light on or with any illumination at all if I can help it. I just feel safer in pitch black. Mostly because I don't want people to see any light from a distance and come into my camp. I just feel vulnerable with a light on, remote, 
but there are people who show up from time to time nearby, as there is a campground about a half mile from my pad and honestly, I fear people far more than animals in remote forest land. I was the first speaker at the meeting, and I started by introducing myself, Joe Robb, and my wife Kelly who accompanies me on most of my field excursions. I shared with the audience that I had come across several Bigfoot tracks near the Nihilum River, close to the Tillamook National Forest boundary in coastal Oregon. I stumbled upon what could only be considered as a Bigfoot highway, where over a hundred tracks were found in one particular area. These tracks were found both uphill and downhill, and belonged to six different big feet that were present at one time or another over a six-week period. I discovered the site while deer hunting during the weekend of Oct. 21-22-1996. There were even some diggings in the soil, which may or may not have been done by Bigfoot. I went back to the area two weeks later and found some broken alder trees and new tracks. On Labor Day weekend, my wife and I heard the snap of a tree and five human-like steps. I quickly grabbed my video camera, but unfortunately, I wasn't quick enough to get a picture of the creature that disappeared into a thicket that was only about 60 feet away. I didn't dare venture into the thicket. At the meeting, I displayed castings of two tracks that I had taken. One track was 16 half inches and the other was 12 half inches. Unfortunately, a nine half inch track was not plaster casted. Interestingly, a scar on the 16-half-inch track was noted when it reappeared 10 miles away in a different location. Henry Franzoni also spoke at the meeting and mentioned that an 80-year-old Indian woman had shared a tale of wild woman and wild man in the same area dating back to about 1870. This was documented in the book, Nihilum Tillamook Tales. I explained that I had visited the area many times and had recorded various tracks. This indicates that various creatures are passing through the area in winter and summer. I've always felt a certain connection to the Amazon rainforest, so when I received the assignment to investigate the strange occurrences in a remote village, I couldn't help but feel a sense of excitement. As a government official, I had dealt with my fair share of unusual cases, but none had ever taken me to the heart of the jungle. Upon my arrival, I could feel the tension hanging in the air. The villagers, belonging to a tribe of about 30 people, had experienced a horrific attack. Seven of their own had been killed, and many more were wounded. The survivors recounted their harrowing ordeal, describing a large creature that resembled a giant dog standing on its hind legs. They spoke of massive claws, teeth and fangs that glistened in the moonlight. As I listened to their stories, I couldn't shake the feeling that there was something unnatural about this creature. Locals reported that it was taller than a man, at least two meters in height, and possessed terrifying strength and speed. The villagers were understandably terrified to stay alone at night, and many had fled their homes for safety. Determined to get to the bottom of this, I ventured into the rainforest with a small team of locals, armed with whatever weapons we could find. We searched for any signs of the creature, but it seemed to have vanished without a trace. The jungle was eerily quiet, and I couldn't help but feel that we were being watched. 
As night fell, we decided to set up camp and wait for the creature to reveal itself. We huddled around the fire, sharing stories and trying to ease the tension. But deep down, we all knew that we were in great danger. Suddenly, we heard a guttural growl coming from the darkness. It was close. Our hearts raced as we gripped our weapons, eyes scanning the shadows for any sign of the beast. Then it emerged. The creature was even more terrifying than the villagers had described. A massive, black, dog-like being with enormous claws and fangs that glinted in the firelight. It stood on its hind legs, towering over us, and let out a deafening roar. Instinct took over, and we fought for our lives. The creature was fast and powerful, but we managed to land a few blows. Bloodied and beaten, it retreated into the darkness, leaving us shaken but alive. We returned to the village, relieved to have survived the encounter. The government dispatched additional support to protect the villagers, and we shared our findings with the world. My name is Ben, and I'm a member of the local Native American community. I have always had a fascination with the legends and stories of the creatures that roam the forests of our land, so when I heard about Frank's track records, I knew I had to see them for myself. Frank, who is not a Native American, had stumbled upon tracks in two separate locations that he believed belonged to the elusive creature that our people have long known as Sasquatch. He had even managed to cast one of the tracks, which was about 15 inches long and had three toes with apparent webbing between them. As I examined the casts, I couldn't help but feel a sense of excitement and wonder. These tracks could be the key to unlocking the mystery of Sasquatch, a creature that has been a part of our people's folklore for generations. But as I looked closer, I noticed something that gave me pause. The tracks were not quite like any I had seen before. They were certainly large, but the shape and arrangement of the toes seemed different from what I had come to expect from Sasquatch tracks. I couldn't help but wonder if there was something else at play here. I decided to do some investigating of my own, reaching out to members of my community who had knowledge of the land and its creatures. Through their help, I was able to track down a local elder who had some insight into the matter. The Elder told me that there were stories of a different creature that roamed these lands, one that was said to have webbed feet and a tendency to live near bodies of water. He spoke of a creature that was known as the Water Man, a being that our people had long considered to be a powerful and mysterious force of nature. As I listened to the Elder's words, I couldn't help but wonder if there was a connection between these tracks and the Water Man. It was possible that Frank had stumbled upon evidence of a creature that was not Sasquatch, but something entirely different. I knew that there was still much work to be done to unravel the mystery of these tracks, but I felt a renewed sense of purpose in my investigation. Whether they belonged to Sasquatch or the Waterman, these tracks represented a chance to learn more about the secrets that lay hidden within the forests of our land. And as a member of the Native American community, it was my duty to uncover those secrets and protect the land and its creatures for future generations. I'm Mark, and among my fellow truckers, I'm known for having an uncanny ability to sense danger on the road. It's a skill that has served me well over the years, 
helping me avoid accidents and stay safe during my long hauls. But one rainy night, my instincts would be put to the ultimate test. As the rain pounded against the windshield, I saw a figure standing by the side of the road, drenched and seemingly stranded. Despite the storm, there was something about her that caught my attention. Her name was Emily, and she claimed to be on her way to visit her family, but her unease was palpable. I hesitated for a moment, questioning whether it was wise to pick up a hitchhiker in such weather, but something in her eyes tugged at my heartstrings. I decided to trust my gut and offered her a ride. As Emily climbed into the cab of my truck, I noticed that she was shivering, her clothes clinging to her soaked form. I handed her a blanket I kept for emergencies, and she smiled gratefully, though her eyes remained haunted. As we drove through the stormy night, I tried to make small talk to ease the tension. I shared stories from my years on the road, hoping to distract both of us from the weather and the eerie silence that enveloped us. But as Emily began to speak, her words sent a chill down my spine. She confessed that she had died on this very highway years ago, in a tragic accident during a storm not unlike the one we were currently facing. She claimed to be a restless spirit, forever bound to the road, unable to move on to the afterlife. My skepticism kicked in, and I thought it was a scare tactic or a joke, but her eyes held an intensity that made me question my doubts. The radio signals started to flicker, playing distorted snippets of songs, and static filled the cab. Glancing at Emily, I saw her smile widen, but it lacked warmth. Her demeanor had changed, and her once friendly presence now felt sinister. The truck's engine sputtered, and the windows fogged up, revealing creepy messages written in the condensation. Get out now. Turn back while you still can. I couldn't comprehend what was happening. It felt like a nightmare, but I couldn't wake up. Fear gnawed at my resolve, and I decided to pull over, thinking it was better to let Emily out and end this strange encounter. But as I turned my attention to her, she was gone, vanished into thin air, leaving behind nothing but an eerie trail of wet footprints leading into the dark woods. My mind was racing, trying to make sense of what had just occurred. I questioned my own sanity, wondering if the stress and exhaustion had taken a toll on my mind. Was I hallucinating, or had I truly encountered a ghostly hitchhiker? I continued my journey, trying to shake off the encounter as a bizarre coincidence. But the more I drove, the more I felt a presence lingering in the truck. The radio kept malfunctioning, and I saw fleeting glimpses of ghostly apparitions on the roadside. It was as if Emily's restless spirit had followed me, seeking something I couldn't fathom. Haunted by uncertainty and fear, I decided to seek answers. I delved into local legends and tales of tragic accidents on the highway, hoping to find a connection to Emily's story. What I discovered sent a shiver down my spine Emily's tale was true. She had indeed died on this road, and her restless spirit had been trapped ever since. Her malevolent intentions were born out of anger and despair, seeking revenge on the living for her untimely demise. Determined to put an end to Emily's torment and find closure for myself, I sought help from a local paranormal expert. Together, we performed a ritual to guide her spirit to the afterlife, allowing her to finally find peace. As the ritual concluded, I felt a weight lift from my shoulders. 
The malevolent presence in my truck dissipated, leaving behind a sense of calm I hadn't felt in days. Emily's spirit was finally at rest, and I had come to terms with the unexplainable events I had experienced. Though the memories of that rainy night on the highway still send shivers down my spine, I can't help but wonder if there are forces beyond our understanding in this world. And while I may never fully comprehend what I encountered, I know one thing for certain sometimes, the scariest things are the ones we can't explain. The darkness of the forest seemed to press in on us, suffocating us in its chilling embrace. I found myself leading a small group of fellow hikers deeper into this remote and mysterious wilderness. The allure of the unknown had drawn us in, but now, as we confronted the malevolent cryptid, we couldn't help but question the wisdom of our decision. As we pressed on, the forest seemed to come alive with a sinister energy. The trees whispered with an otherworldly voice, and the air carried an indescribable malevolence. The cryptid's presence loomed over us, a grotesque fusion of human and beast that had haunted this forest for centuries. Despite my determination to survive and my newfound camaraderie with the other hikers, fear gnawed at the edges of my mind. The cryptid's attack on me still haunted my nightmares, leaving me battered and traumatized. Each step forward felt like a gamble with fate, a dance with the unknown that could spell our doom. Our group had managed to learn some of the cryptid's patterns and weaknesses during our time in the forest, but we knew that our advantage was only fleeting. The creature was cunning, and we couldn't shake the feeling that it was toying with us, leading us further into its dark domain. As the nights passed, the forest seemed to come alive with a cacophony of eerie sounds. The deafening silence of the day was replaced by rustling leaves, distant howls, and that unnerving otherworldly call that seemed to taunt us from the shadows. Together, we faced countless trials and tribulations navigating treacherous terrain, foraging for food, and constantly watching our backs for signs of the lurking cryptid. We became a tight-knit group, bound together by a shared fear of the unknown and a determination to survive. But as we inched closer to the heart of the forest, we realized that the cryptid was not the only malevolent force at play. There were other dark entities hidden within the forest's depths, lurking in the shadows and feeding off the fear and despair that hung in the air like a tangible fog. The more we uncovered about the cryptid's existence, the more we realized that its imprisonment was not just a matter of chance. An ancient curse seemed to have bound it to this forsaken place, a curse that demanded a terrible sacrifice in return for its freedom. Our hearts sank as we came to understand the full extent of the cryptid's malevolence. It had been trapped in the forest for centuries, and we were now standing on the precipice of a decision that could change the fate of the world. Should we leave the creature imprisoned, or risk releasing it and unleashing an ancient evil upon the world once more? As the climactic battle for survival drew near, we could feel the forest closing in on us, suffocating us in its darkness. The cryptid's presence loomed larger than ever, and we knew that our very lives depended on the choices we would make. In the heart of the forest, the final confrontation awaited us. With our hearts pounding and our minds racing, we stood united against the darkness, prepared to face our deepest fears and confront the malevolent cryptid. But what we didn't realize was that the forest itself was a living, breathing entity, 
and the cryptid was just one manifestation of its malevolence. As we battled for our lives, the ancient curse that bound the creature to the forest revealed its true purpose to feed off the fear and despair of those who dared to tread into its domain. In a nightmarish revelation, we understood that the only way to truly defeat the cryptid and break the curse was to confront the darkness within ourselves. It was not just the cryptid that held us captive, it was our own fears and doubts that shackled us to this forsaken place. As we faced our inner demons, we discovered the strength to banish the cryptid and break the ancient curse. The forest, once a prison of terror, began to release its hold on us, and we emerged into the sunlight, forever changed by our harrowing ordeal. I've always loved hunting and being out in the wilderness. There's something about the solitude and raw beauty of nature that just calls to me. But my last trip to the New Mexico border for deer hunting was different from any other trip I've taken. I had seen numerous drug smugglers and their spotters throughout my days in the wilderness. It was a stark reminder of the dangers that lurk in these remote areas. But it was one particular night that still sends shivers down my spine. I was sitting in my tippy, enjoying my dinner and reflecting on the craziness I had seen over the past few days. Suddenly, I heard a heavy sniffing pattern outside the tippy. It was as if something was trying to smell my dinner and it was going to town doing it. I froze mid-bite and listened to the sound for a few minutes. Then I decided to growl at whatever was outside. I wasn't sure what it was, but I knew it wasn't a hungry drug smuggler. My mind raced, and I wondered if it could be a mountain lion. But the huffing was too loud, so I figured it was just some javelina since their tracks were everywhere. Despite my attempts to rationalize the situation, I couldn't shake off the feeling of unease. The fact that I was in a small tippy in the middle of nowhere with something sniffing around outside was a scary thought. I tried to ignore it, but the feeling of being watched lingered on. I love the feeling of being out in the wild, but this experience made me realize the dangers that come with it. The remote wilderness is not only home to beautiful creatures, but also dangerous ones. My mind wandered back to the drug smugglers and I realized that I didn't want any kind of encounter with people in these remote areas either. As I sat there, my mind racing with thoughts, I couldn't help but feel a sense of relief when the sniffing finally stopped. But the experience had left its mark on me, and I couldn't shake off the feeling of being hunted. I knew I needed to be more cautious and alert when I ventured out into the wilderness, and I made a mental note to always be prepared for anything that could happen. My friend and I used to go to South Padre Island every summer because his dad lived there. We were usually left to our own devices and would stay out late trying to pick up girls one night we're walking home from the beach, and we both notice a light on a dock flicker on. There was a figure standing out there under the light. It was far enough away we couldn't make out details, but the water was really misty that night and it seemed very eerie. We decide to pick up our pace and get home quickly. Just as we start walking briskly, the light we're under turns off. We sprint as fast as we can and the lights kept turning off and then back on after we get past them. We made it home and both locked every door to the house we could find. 
I still have no idea what that was about, but I do know salt air causes havoc on electrical equipment. Maybe it was that. I lived in a small, but not terribly isolated, town in central Alabama. My family lived in a trailer park near a small patch of woods with a railroad track running through the middle. I was driving home one night, late, maybe 12 one in the morning. As I'm driving up to the tracks, preparing to stop, I see what I originally believed to be a big buck standing at the edge of the woods on the opposite side of the road near the stop sign at the train tracks. So as I come to a stop, I angle my car slightly so my headlights shine on him. I wanted to get a good look at him because he was massive and I wanted to count his points. As my headlights fall over him, I realize what I'm seeing is, in fact, not a buck, but what appears to be a huge wolf, and I got a great look at it. My headlights lit him up perfectly. He didn't run off or anything. He just stood there. Not motionless like he was fake, which was my first thought, but holding his ground. After a few seconds, I just left. It terrified me. I know what I saw and I know it was huge. I've seen lots of deer and that is what it definitely wasn't, but I don't think there are wolves in Alabama. And besides, I know they're big, but I don't think they're that big. Never saw it again. Pretty sure no one believes me. I was by myself at my camp off of Cypermort Point, Louisiana. I was getting it ready for the upcoming summer season by giving it a good cleaning and making sure all the plumbing and electricity was working and getting my boat ready for a summer of fishing and skiing. That night I was sitting out on the dock just drinking a beer and watching the moon, and there was three little lights that just appeared in the sky and seemed to move impossibly fast and change directions instantly. They traversed the entire skyline in a matter of seconds. If you have ever taken one of those tiny laser pins and swirled it across your ceiling that's what it looked like. Only there was three of them. They were gone as soon as they appeared, but as soon as they disappeared the weather changed and the water became crazy rough from out of a dead calm just a few minutes before. The wind got so strong that I had to go inside. I was staring out of the window over the water trying to wrap my head around what just happened and this boat appeared with no running lights and pulled into the jetty next to my camp and disappeared down the canal. I don't know if or of all those things are related, but it freaked me out a little. I tried to tell somebody about it when I got back home the first person I told gave me the stupid look like I was crazy and I haven't talked about it since. Bow hunting on my friend's property in Northern California for deer a few years ago. It's only five acres, but for some reason monster black tail like to come through that area. Set up where I see them coming through on trail camera at 4 a.m. and begin waiting. Still dark and I look over my shoulder behind me and see a bush I don't remember being there. About 15 yards from me. I continue to stare at this bush for about 20 minutes. During this 20-minute period, the bush kept shape-shifting, changing into the shape of a human, a bear, a rabbit, and all other various weird shapes. I look forward and look back, and it's now moved, and I start to realize it's not a bush and something keeps creeping towards me. 
It's obviously aware of me and is probably within 10 yards of me. I'm thinking it's a lion and this is getting real bad. It's still shape-shifting and just floating along. Disappears behind a small hill 10 yards to my left. Arrow knocked him ready for whatever this thing is to pounce on me. Arrow knocked I blast my headlamp and watch a doe book it away from me. Crazy what the imagination can come up with when your eyes can't fully adjust or comprehend to what you're looking at. It was a cold, early morning, and I was driving to work at 4 a.m. I had always preferred taking the back roads, even if it meant waking up a bit earlier. There was something calming about the quiet countryside as I navigated the twists and turns, far from the noise and chaos of the city. As I drove into a small valley, I noticed a thin layer of fog enveloping the landscape, lending an ethereal quality to the scene. My headlights pierced through the mist, revealing the road ahead. I continued driving, alert and focused, until something unusual caught my eye. Suddenly, the fog right in front of me seemed to take on a peculiar shape. It appeared to form the figure of a teenager wearing a hoodie, his hands tucked into his pockets and his back to me. The sight was so unexpected and eerie that it sent a shiver down my spine. In the blink of an eye, the ghostly apparition seemed to flow over my car as I drove through it. It all happened so quickly that I didn't even have time to break. I just screamed, my heart pounding in my chest. I continued driving, my nerves rattled by the bizarre encounter. Now, I don't believe in ghosts, and I know it was probably just a freak shape in the fog, but it was enough to leave me shaken for the rest of my drive to work. As the sun began to rise and the fog dissipated, I couldn't help but replay the incident in my mind, questioning what I had seen. Though I knew it was most likely just an odd formation in the mist, the experience left me with a lingering sense of unease. Now, whenever I drive through foggy backroads, I can't help but keep an eye out for any ghostly shapes lurking in the mist. And though I still don't believe in ghosts, that chilling morning encounter has forever changed the way I perceive the world around me. The date is July 14, 2018, two days after my birthday. At the time I and my girlfriend were living with my parents in their old, old two-story brick house. Our room was upstairs. It was around 10 or 11 p.m. at night and I and my girlfriend are laying in bed. Nothing out of the ordinary was going on, just a typical night, just chilling out in bed. First of all, let me mention I'm a grown man. Yes, still live at my mom's house, but still a grown man. I don't get scared easily. I'm not afraid of the dark or the boogeyman, but this night is going to test my scaredness. I never even imagined in a million years something like this would ever happen. It was the furthest thing from my mind. We are lying in bed and my girlfriend had to go downstairs to use the bathroom or something. Mind you, the bedroom light is on, I'm lying in bed. The TV isn't on. Haven't watched it at all that day. But all of the sudden, this is how I'm going to describe it as close as I can. Well, all of a sudden it feels like my bed is almost shaking or vibrating, in a sense me not understanding what is happening. I start looking around, but as soon as I turn my head to the right, I can see plain as day a silhouette of a human shape. But this human shape figure you could see straight through. 
It kind of looked like heat waves, but in the distinct shape of a human. No mistake about it. Okay, let me pause and do a recap. I came to realize that the bed shaking or vibrating was actually me trembling out of the fear way before I even saw anything. It's like my gut feeling was in tune trying to warn me. Back to me seeing the human shape see-through figure. I was just stuck in a stare or gaze of awe when suddenly I watched it walk to the foot of the bed, all the way right to my side of the bed, and in a split second my conscience said, get the F up now and run. So I jumped up and I swear I don't even remember walking down the stairs. I was gone that fast. Now mind you my mom, my dad, my sister, and my girlfriend are all right there in the dining room when I bolt through the downstairs door. They looked at me and said what's wrong, you are as pale as a ghost. I kinda didn't want to say anything to them because let's be honest what if I told you that I saw a clear person? How the hell are you going to react? But this is the weird part, we don't mention this to anyone. About a week later, give or take, my niece comes over. She's ten at the time and likes riding the four-wheeler trike. So she rides it for a little bit shorter than her usual ride, and she comes in and she is pale as a ghost and we ask her what is wrong. What happened? She says please don't think I'm stupid, but I saw an invisible person chasing me on the four-wheelers. It had a grown-up body, but it was invisible, it didn't have any facial features, all you could see was just the shape or outline of a human-like body. I instantly got chills over my body. Well, I told her I knew exactly what she had seen because I had a similar experience a week before. I told her you're not crazy, it is real. I don't know what it is, but I saw it too. I have one more encounter with the same invisible shape being four years later. I want to say the same one, but definitely the same invisible shape entity. I grew up on a small property in regional Australia. We lived about 3-4 kilometers out of town, so not super far, but also far enough that we never really get disturbed. On top of that, we were on a dead-end street, down the end of another street off of the main road, so not once have I ever seen a pedestrian near my house. Anyway, one night when I was about 12, I was watching TV when two of my brothers came downstairs and said, Did you hear that? I was pretty glued to the TV so didn't hear a thing, but apparently they heard footsteps outside and a couple of hushed voices. Seeing as how my brothers were both around 20 and both big rugby playing dudes, their plan was for me to wait inside, while they ran outside and tackled anybody they could find before calling the cops. So they both sprinted out the front door at the same time, splitting in different directions to wrap around the house and meet again on the other side presumably each with a criminal wrapped in a headlock under their arm. If you've ever seen that movie Signs where Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix run around the house, basically just picture that. Anyway, they never found them. Swear to this day that they heard voices, but nobody was ever seen. Our property has a lot of thick bushland right up to the house, so all we can think is that when my brothers came out, these guys just dissolved back into the bush and watched then probably just took off once the coast was clear again. The whole thing scared the hell out of me.